All right, here we are again. Wade is doing me a solid. Uh, I'm going to introduce Neil Cohen. You've heard you've heard Neil on the show before. Uh, Neil was the producer of a wonderful film called Chief Zabu uh, with his good friend and directing partner Zach Norman. Neil also happens to be the producer of a film I made called Miss Daisy. He's one of the producers on that film, so you know full full disclosure and all of that. I got to tell you that wonderful movie. Neil, say hello to the folks. Hello, everybody. I got to tell you that that movie, uh, Chief Zabu, fantastic story behind it, and Neil's going to get us up to date on it. Most importantly, you can see Chief Zabu right now in all kinds of places uh, all over the world, I suppose, and it's so relevant uh, to things that are going on in society today. The context, it's a funny, funny, funny movie uh, starring the wonderful, uh, well, I'll let Neil introduce everybody in the movie. Uh, say hey, Neil, Neil, and uh, talk to the folks about what's going on with Chief Zap. Hey, everybody, how you doing? Uh, uh, I'm Neil Cohen. I'm the co-writer, co-director, co-producer of a crazy movie called Chief Zabu, which was made 34 years ago. Uh, in 15 days for very little money. And it's the story of a uh, New York real estate developer who dreams about having political power. And uh, wow. this little, <laughs> little movie 34 years ago, nobody was really interested in such a thing. And uh, uh, you're ahead of your time. We were a little ahead of our time and, and making a movie uh, uh, in 15 days, not knowing that when you direct your first movie, it's not supposed to have. 43 speaking roles, 22 locations, and purportedly take place on two continents and three cities. But we were lucky enough to get the great Alan Garfield to yeah. start as our Trump-like uh, real estate guy. And if uh, people don't know Alan Garfield, Alan Garfield made probably 125 movies, uh, always in a supporting role, uh, except Chief Zabu and his first movie called Cry Uncle that John Avelson directed. Uh, John Avelson's second movie after Cry Uncle was uh, Rocky. Um, and Alan Garfield was uh, a featured uh, character actor and everything from The Conversation, all kinds of De Palma movies, Coppola movies, uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2, he, uh, uh, just everything. But in our movie, he got to play the lead and he's just absolutely terrific. The movie got finished. Back then it was shaggy. It had to be 90 minutes to attract a distributor. And uh, it was a rough 90 minutes. <laughs> and then the distributor <laughs> went bankrupt two weeks before the thing opened and the movie was abandoned. And uh, years later, uh, uh, a guy came down an elevator and said, I want to be president. And that guy was uh, Donald Trump. And I was sitting with Zach Norman, who co-stars in the movie and who I made the movie with. And uh, we said, gee, you know, uh, we made a movie about a New York real estate developer who wants to have political power. Maybe we should try to find that movie and see what it looks like. Oh, for God's sakes, he even looks like Donald a little bit. I mean, it's, it's, almost, it's almost, you know, weird. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many people in your audience will appreciate this, but all we had was a fifth generation VHS tape of the movie, which we uh, looked at and said, gee, you know, if we just cut out everything we hate, we'll have a speedy little movie and uh, let's uh, let's do that. You know, uh, now over the years we had discussed uh, uh, cutting the picture down, 
But in our brain, it was still $200 an hour to hire an editor with a moviola in a, a, <laughs> a little room somewhere. And now we found out you could find an unemployed actor living in North Hollywood with a laptop. And for $200 a week, you could recut your picture. So we uh, recut the, uh, the, the film and uh, uh, found the negative and had that transferred, put it out, got a, a bunch of attention for it. And then that was in 2016. Um, and then uh, we were approached to uh, have a VOD deal to, to get it out to a lot of people. And we said, well, let's take a look at it and maybe cut it another time. Now, we didn't have any outtakes, so we just had a cut from what was in the movie. And so we took the opportunity to take our Trumpian type character who develops over the course of the movie and, and put a little uh, 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 intro with this guy in the front. So the idea that Two knuckleheads over 34 years got to recut a picture three times that nobody's ever seen is, I don't know if it's a sign of madness or an inspiration for some filmmakers out there, but uh, now it's out there on uh, Amazon and iTunes and Vudu and Google, and people are liking it, and we're doing podcasts, and people are writing about this movie that's uh, sort of about Donald Trump. Well, you know, Neil, I, I, here's what I think about this thing. Uh, one of the things that Tim and I always talk about on the podcast is how movies, their relevance changes over time. Some movies are ahead of their time. Some movies are really ahead of their time. And, and some movies, even when they seem to be dated uh, and maybe uh, have lost their relevance five, ten years later, they're suddenly relevant again. They, movies kind of, uh, they ebb and flow with the times. And, you know, that, that's something I think is reassuring. They, they're never completely obsolete. Everything will all, every, just, like, just, like a, just like your old suits, yeah. every movie will always come back in fashion. Yeah, I yeah. still got all my, all my wide collars, every single one of them. I got them all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you think of silent films and, you know, when I was growing up, silent films were considered a joke. And so they speeded them up for TV to make them yeah. dopier looking. Then all of a sudden, I remember being at the college and it was the first time I saw a silent film that wasn't artificially speeded up. And I said, oh, it's not like a joke. It's an art form. Look at that. You yeah. know. And uh, you know, now you look at something like Sunrise or one of these great movies and, and you're totally moved by, by a film that you know, when I was growing up in the 50s, that would have been considered a, a, a silly thing to be watching. Mm -hmm. Astounding. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I, I got to tell you, this, this, this film, in, in addition to Alan Garfield and Zach, is also the wonderful Alan Arbus is in the film and Ed yeah. Lauder is in the film. It's a really great cast. Uh, and it, it's a funny, funny, funny film all by itself, but, but, but watched in the context of the, of the current zeitgeist, uh, one can't help but come away from the film thinking, wow, you know, some, the more things change, uh, the more they stay the same. Uh, <laughs> it, so so it, it's really one of those things. So uh, we, 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 we did the interview uh, back in 2017, if I'm not mistaken, when all of this sort of, sort of got going some 30, 31 years after the original uh, film. So here we are a few years later, and I got to tell you, it's a conversation worth listening to one more time. Not to mention, Zach is just freaking hysterical. Uh, people will know funny. Zach from Romancing the Stone. Yeah. Uh, he was Cadillac on The Nanny Man. for years, yeah. Cadillac Man. He's, he's, so when you, you, you look up Zach, you'll see his face, and you'll be like, oh, that guy. Yeah. Um, uh, it's a great, interesting story that Zach is going to tell us about, too. In the course of this and interview. the main, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just leave you with the, the, the inspirational note to all struggling writers and filmmakers. Try not to drop dead. 
<laughs> if you can live long enough, you might have yourself a hit. Exactly. <laughs> oh, thank you, Neil. Thank you, guys. This is so much fun. You guys are great. Welcome. Welcome to Cinema in Mind. Cinema in Mind, where we are thinking about a film and uh, other stuff today. Mostly about film. A little bit of other stuff, but mostly about film. Going to be um, going to be talking to Zach Norman and Neil Cohen. <laughs> I say it like you know who they are. The thing of it is, you actually do know who they are. Zach Norman in particular, you definitely know who he is. You've seen him. You've been watching Zach Norman in movies and on television for probably clocking 50 years now. I think his first film was about 1963 or four or something like that. And he's been on a lot of, a lot of big movies, a lot of major television shows, um, uh, Zach Norman. Uh, and, and in real roles too, not not cameos. You know, in in the shows, Zach Norman. You most likely saw Zach Norman in *Romancing the Stone*. You might have saw him in uh, 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 *Ragtime* back in 1981. Uh, you may have seen Zach Norman in *Tracks*, a Henry Jaglin film, one of Dennis Hopper's sort of mid '70s um, Vietnam films, back in 1977. Um, Lush Life was a neat TV movie. A bunch of Henry Jaglum films, Venice, Venice. He was in Cadillac Man, 1990 Robin Williams movie. Very funny, very funny in that movie. You saw him in, you saw him in Baywatch. You saw him in The Nanny. He was Uncle Jack in The Nanny. <laughs> Zach Norman. Uh, Mojave Moon. Uh, Irene in Time, another Henry Jaglum film, which was actually very good. So, you know, Zach Norman who, uh, when you go look him up, which I think you've probably done by now, you're going to look at his face and go, oh, that guy. <laughs> yeah, him. Talking to him. Talking to him and Neil Cohen. Neil Cohen is why uh, uh, we're talking to Zach Norman. Uh, Neil Cohen is a television writer, uh, playwright, um, um, who you know worked on all kinds of um, movies and TV shows back in the day. Uh, but... Most most recently is a um, a writer on Twenty Four, uh, B. L. Stryker, uh, The Equalizer, way back in the day, Neil Cohen, and both of them, both of them co-directed. Neil Cohen wrote and Zach Norman co-directed and produced with Neil a film called Chief Zabu, Z A B U, Chief Zabu, nineteen. 1988. Uh, uh, 1986, actually, is when they shot the film. The film came out. Uh, never. <laughs> actually, that's not true. It's out now. Just now. Just this year. Yeah. Made this movie 30 years ago. Shot this movie 30 years ago. Chief Zabu. Real movie. Great cast. Alan Garfield. The great Alan Garfield has been Sydney. Alan Garfield, you know... You, from all kinds of things again, uh, but but I, I like to remember Alan Garfield from uh, Francis Ford Coppola's film, uh, I think in 1974, The Conversation. You know, the the, the film about these guys in, in, involved in um, eavesdropping 
uh, high-tech eavesdropping in order to get information for all kinds of reasons. And uh, there's a wonderful, wonderful series of scenes in that movie. This guy uh, 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 who, who, wants, uh, who wants to figure out how Gene Hackman's character pulled off this job. Real irritating guy. Fantastic. That's Alan Garfield. Uh, and more roles than I can begin to... But, you know, you're, you're looking them up, I'm sure. Alan Arbus, Ed Lauder in the film, Chief Zabu. Uh, uh, the wonderful Shirley Stoller popped up in a whole bunch of John Waters films back in the... So this is, this is this movie from 1986, made in 1986. Did not come out till this year, 2017, and it's rolling out in a particular way, an interesting way. It's an interesting movie. And the reason why these guys decided to finally finish and release this movie, Zach Norman and Neil Cohen, find and finish this movie that they, that they worked on and put together, made 30 years ago, it has to do with the state of events in the world today. So that's the, you know, other stuff. Specifically, our, our president, Donald Trump, some ideas about what it means to be... Uh, an important guy in the world, what it means to have stature, what it means to have money, how we view all of that these days. It's a really, really, really interesting movie that is a real time capsule from that period, but happens to be a time capsule that seems to be reflecting the present day in the most astounding ways. That and fucking funny. <laughs> it's just fucking funny, all right? It's funny. That was a great thing about uh, uh, Zach Norman. Uh, as you looked him up, most of the stuff that you know him from, particularly *Romancing the Stone*, uh, he he was always he was always funny. Uh, sometimes he played the heavy. Uh, yeah, sometimes he played the funny heavy, <laughs> but he was always funny. That's for sure. Um, say the same thing about Alan Garfield, for that matter. Sometimes you know he played kind of like a menacing guy, but Alan Garfield was usually. He was usually a funny guy. Uh, he's still with us, too, by the way, Alan Garfield. Know him from The Ninth Gate. Know him from Bel Beverly Hills Cop 2. Know him from Dick Tracy, Alan Garfield. Um, the West Wing. So, you know, Alan Garfield. So, we are going to have a nice, long conversation about all kinds of things, including this film, Chief Zabu, which might be coming to a comedy venue near you, which should be coming to a comedy venue near you, which you can make come to a comedy venue near you. That's the way they're rolling out. They're taking the movie out to comedy venues. and It has to do with, you know, it'll, it'll all make sense after you listen to the show. Um, and then I'll, um, I'll get back at you. I'll get back at you after that, okay? All right. This is Cinema in Mind. I'm your host, Tim Cogshell. The directors of Chief Zabu, Neil Cohen, and Zach Norman. Why don't you just tell Tim about the uh, beautiful picture of the Trump pavilion that you got the other day? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Zach sent me a photograph uh, along Grand Central Parkway between uh, uh, the airport in New York and uh, Manhattan. Uh, if you drive there, you see a thing called the Trump Pavilion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. On and, a hospital. Uh, on a hospital, on the crappiest looking brick building you can imagine on the top, it says, Trump Pavilion and uh, and when we wrote this thing we're driving 
with Ben Sidney and mm. uh, whatever my name was. <laughs> Sammy. <laughs> Sammy, yes, Sammy. And uh, I look over and I show that sign to Ben Sidney, Alan Garfield, and I said, someday that's going to be you. It's going to be the Ben Sidney Pavilion. And that's 30-plus years ago. Yeah. So we were doing Trump then. It was, um, uh, which, is, which is really, really funny, because there's that moment in the movie. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. It's just so striking how these things sort of like come back around. Yeah. Uh, all right, like, like, let's, let's do a little introduction. First, sure, right? so, sure. So, so just to sit in my mind, the film is Chief Zabu. Zabu, yes. Uh, 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 we've got Neil Cohen. Hello. And, and I want you to explain your name. Well, my names are simple. Uh, I started out with a name called Howard Zucker. Now, in New York, they called me Zucker. But I was from Boston, so I was a Zucker. And then Zucker became Zook. And people used to introduce me and say, say hi to Zook. Well, there was no Zook. So Zook became Zach. And my father's name was Sidney. So I called myself Zach Norman. <laughs> <laughs> Which is classic stand-up from your whole... So that's just beautiful, right? That's just yeah, beautiful. Man. So, so, so would you say that you first started in the business as a, as a, as a comedian? No, you I became didn't. an actor or how, how did it go? I first started in the business as a drummer. I was a musician. I was on television when I was 12 with my own band called Howie Zucker and the Music Makers. I stole the name from Glenn Miller. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the truth. And I used to work clubs, 14 years old. What, 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 what are we talking about? Are we talking about 50s? We talk, we're, talking about the talk, we're, we're talking about the 50s. Okay, good. That's all the cool jazz period. Yeah, George Ween, uh, I knew, and I used to go to Storyville in Boston, and um, it, it was a different world for me. But as I'm sitting behind the, the band and playing the drums, always in these clubs a guy would come up, and he was called the Comedian. And he stood up front, and he got about six times the money I got sitting behind the drums. And I used to watch all the girls look at him. And I said to myself, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I did, and I left the drums forever. <laughs> so that's how it started. So musician, comedian. Musician first, comedian second. And, and always, really, right? Oh, well, no, I didn't know that. I just looked at things a different way than the rest of the kids did. You know, I was always told things. Uh, my father was very serious about things, and I used to look at him. He told me, there was a sign on my nursery door, nursery, it was a bedroom. I happened to sleep with my grandfather. <laughs> Two beds that were pushed together, but we called it my nursery. And on that door, it said, Howard J. Zucker, M.D. <laughs> he told me, you're going to be a doctor. And that's what you're going to be, because a doctor has respect in the community. He has cash flow. You are going to be a doctor. Pretty soon, he started to see my grades. And he said to me, I'll tell you something I want to talk to you. Forget about the doctor. 
I want you to be a dentist. <laughs> now, you're still a doctor, but you don't have to go through certain things you do to get to be a regular doctor. And what you can do really, truly, is you can make your appointments around a two-week vacation. You don't lose any patients. This is what you want to do. You want to be a dentist. A few more years went by, more grades came in. He said to me, come again, sit down. <laughs> I know what you're going to be. I said, what? He said, a foot doctor. <laughs> you're still a doctor. So that's the way I grew up. And by the way, I started school at five years old. All the other kids were six. And why was I five? Because my father said, if I get into school earlier, I'll have cash flow a year earlier, and I'll be respected by the community sooner. So he forged my birth certificate and sent me into school. Like so that was, that was the beginning. I like the way your dad thought. Oh, yeah. He was a, he was a hustling guy with a lot of integrity, and he could not believe when I was 31 years old that I got indicted. <laughs> he says, how does a thing like this happen to a person like you? Oh, what a, can I say, funny. man? So, so, so how does it all lead to, I mean, when you guys first came in, uh, one of the things I said to you is, is, is I always love it when, when I meet people whose faces I, I spent my childhood watching. Uh, on television, folks listen to the podcast, they're going to go, they're going to look you up, they're going to be like, that guy? <laughs> you know, because it's one of those moments, I mean, you know those moments, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and so, so how did you, how did you work your way into being, so like a mainstay in American sub film and television and movies? Well, it was simple. I was a guy who was a, a, a drummer, and when I went down to college, I went to college in Nashville, Tennessee, because they were starting a wrestling team, and I think they were intrigued by me as a wrestler. That's the only reason I can figure that I went there, because uh, I come from Boston. And the guys all said to me at, at Vanderbilt, where I went to school, they said, well, if you're from Boston, why didn't you go to Harvard? I didn't want to tell them because I had a 63 average. <laughs> <laughs> it was serious, but it really was the answer for me because I was starting to play down there in a place called Printer's Alley. I don't know if you know Nashville, but I was playing the drums in places while I was going to school. And one day, I saw a tall, blonde woman who was really intriguing, and I, I followed her. And she went into a place called the theater, and I walked in, too. And the guy said to me, hi there. I said, hello. He said, well, what you doing here? What have you done? I said, well, I worked the Frolic Theater. I worked in every nightclub I ever worked. I named that club and I said theater. Yeah. <laughs> so bingo, man, I was in the theater. So, so legit theater. Legit theater. I've done 20 plays. And uh, so I really, I really did dig it. And I got to tell you this. It changed my life because all of a sudden, as I'm listening to these things about why the character did something in a play, this is what I was learning. I never heard of this stuff. Mm. What's the word motivation, mm. I said? And then after three years or so in the theater, and I ended up in New York City, I said to myself, is it possible that I'm a character 
in my own life. And I'm doing things for reasons I'm not aware of. And we all are, of course. And that was the beginning of, of awareness, of consciousness, which is my favorite word. And soon thereafter, I got into therapy for 32 years. And that helped also. <laughs> well, who put you in your first movie? I'm asking this. Yeah, yeah. This is Neil. I don't even know the first answer. movie. I walked into an audition. I was 23 years old. I was uh, in New York City, and a friend of mine said, "Why don't you come over here and walk in and say hello to these people?" And I did, and they hired me. And it was a thing called Love with the Proper Stranger, mm. 1963, with Natalie Wood and Steve McQueen. Mm -hmm. And I was a guy who was uh, really an extra, but I had six lines or so, something like that. But I'll tell you where my head was, how bizarre. I'm standing in front of the Plaza Hotel in New York in a crowd scene, and there is Natalie and Steve in a scene. And I'm looking over at Natalie, and I truly believe she's looking at me. <laughs> and I kept smiling at her. And nodding. <laughs> and then I found out where she was staying, and indeed she was staying at the plaza. And I got the room number and called. And somebody answered, and I said, I'd like to speak to Natalie, please. And she said, who's calling? I said, well, she'll know it was the guy in front of the plaza that she was looking at. <laughs> and she said to me, hold on a moment. And then she came back, this woman, and said, I'm sorry, uh, Natalie's not available right now. So that'll give you an idea of the kind of head I had, man. I thought everybody liked me. That was cocky, baby. Was <laughs> no, it wasn't cocky. It, it, was, it was insanity. <laughs> That's what it was. Every time a girl walked by, I said, did you see her look at me? I mean, I was a sick guy. Not that I'm not now. That's, I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> Neil, Neil, uh, uh, join us. Join us over sure. here. Let's, let's walk through a little bit of history. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, Zach is a couple of years your senior. Yeah. But you guys, you guys, you guys worked together, uh, co-director on that on this movie. So, right. so, 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 thirty years ago, Chief Judge uh, Zabu, uh, nineteen. 87, right? 86. No, 86. Hey, you were, you were shooting in 86. 86, right. right. Okay. Uh, uh, so, so here you are, right. playwright. I'm a playwright. I'm a playwright. Walk us through it. I'm a playwright. And a great one, if I may yeah. say so. But a, but a very bad waiter and bartender <laughs> who's, who's a pretty good playwright. So I, I do a play, and it's, uh, uh, you know, we get a little garage down in the West Village, and we're doing this play. And all kinds of people are coming to see it and loving it. Woody Allen comes to see it. What's Diane what, what, Keaton. What's the, what's the play? A place called Rat's Nest. It took place in a bar. So um, a guy comes, an agent comes, and he says, uh, I'm, I'm very impressed with your work. I go, uh, thank you so much. Uh, uh, you're an agent. Can you get me some work? And the guy says, absolutely. Uh, 
I said, what do I do? And he says, well, you could show up on Monday and be my secretary. <laughs> so, you know, the air went out of the balloon. And since I was the worst bartender and waiter in New York, uh, you know, everybody thought I was stoned. But what would happen is around 9 o'clock, I'd get sleepy. And so I would kind of doze off in places. So I knew my waitering career was not going anywhere. So next thing you know, I'm uh, the the secretary, the assistant, to an agent. And I'm working in this place, and I'm just uh, absolutely miserable because I want to be a playwright, not a guy uh, saying, uh, yes, he'll be with you in a moment. Um, and this character shows up, who's Zach Norman, and he shows up with a guy named Robert Downey Sr., Yes, yeah, so now uh, uh, the director of Putney Swope. Exactly. Which was a really, really popular film at the time. Uh, people forget. He, he yeah. actually, he, so this would have been like what? This, this would have been like what? The late. 60s or early 70s? Late 60s. I mean, we're now looking at the late 70s when all this is happening with you, you and I, but Downey has made a number of movies. Downey is Robert Downey's father, yeah. who, if anyone doesn't know, was one of the original indie filmmakers, made very bizarre comedies. Um, very, very, very socially pointed song. Putney Swope is a very socially pointed song. Exactly. Yeah. Very different things that I was very impressed with. So when he shows up, I don't really know who Zach Norman is, but I know who Robert Downey Sr. is. I'm very impressed. And the uh, agent had me representing uh, a Broadway actress that uh, Zach was producing and starring in a movie that Robert Downey Sr. was making, and they wanted this actress. So I took the meeting, and uh, I was representing this person as poorly as a person can represent <laughs> somebody. And uh, the, the meeting ended and I walk these guys to the elevator to say goodbye and, you know, please give her the job so I can get my first commission. And uh, this Zach Norman looks at me and he says, um, you know, and he's got this smile on his face that he always has and I think he's going to say something that's very, very impressive about my agenting. He says, um... You know, you seem like a very unhappy young man. <laughs> I go. Did it, did it show on his face? I mean, was it literally on his face? Well, it was all over his body, actually. <laughs> he looked. He looked troubled. And I go. I'm just miserable. I don't even skip a beat. Here's a guy who's seen it. You know. He says, "Why?" I said, "I don't want to do this." He says, "Well, what do you want to do?" I say, "I want to write scripts. I want to write." He says, "Well, send me one of the." things you've written. So I send him the thing, and uh, about a week later, he says, you know, you're a very good writer. Why don't you quit your job, and we'll start writing some scripts together. I'll pay you to write some scripts with me. I go, fine, and that's how that's how we met. Who does it? And I was right, by the way. He's a hell of a writer. What brought you to that point, because uh, you were producing? I was doing, no, I wasn't producing. I was playing in the picture with Downey. Okay. Bob Downey Sr. And we were looking for uh, the lead woman, I yeah. guess. 
Now, was it the same woman? That it was Tammy Grimes, Tammy? actually. Tammy, yeah. okay. Yeah. I didn't remember who it was, but Tammy played the part. Tammy yeah. Grimes. Oh, she did get the part. Yeah. Good. You got she, the commission. She, she played. Yeah. <laughs> she, he got the commission. She played my wife. <laughs> so, 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 so you, were, you, 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 you were working in, 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 in a Robert Downey Sr. film. That's right. Called America and Robert Downey Sr. and Jr. And Jr. was in the picture, by the way. Uh, his picture. first uh, time on screen? Well, not the first time, because he was working as a baby with his dad. Right. Yeah, yeah, he used to drag him but around. But I the tell you, he's the nicest kid. He was such a wonderful, nice boy. 16 years old at the time. Okay. So he does a first scene that I see him do, and he's cleaning a window on a building. And I'm watching the guy, and he was really cleaning. It wasn't, uh, you know, the mm -hmm. conventional jive cleaning that you see you know this was really cleaning and all of a sudden the guy stopped and i could see that he could see the reflection of himself in the window and he went closer and closer to the window and began to kiss the window <laughs> oh wow he was kissing himself and i said to myself man this guy is so talented. <laughs> that's a, and, that's and a, he really was and is, and there you go. Hey, he was his father's son. And, he was Bob's and, son. And, and here we are, he and here Bob's we are 40 son. folks. Yeah. Years on, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, I think that was uh, soon before uh, we shot. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was 84 yeah. or something like yeah. that. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly. Wow. When, you, when you get to this place, you start to lose track. <laughs> well, well, when, when, when did, when did, so you guys, you guys started on, you know, this, uh, yeah. script writing ideas, right. pitching, I guess, you know, you're writing scripts. Yeah. When, when did you get to the point of where you found a story, which I'm assuming became Chief, is that who? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we, we knocked, we did a couple of scripts together just to kind of get the juices flowing. Right. And both of the scripts we did were actually very, very good, good scripts. Very good, and still are. But they were big movies. They were like you know, uh, uh, capers in the south of France and Paris yeah. and New York and London. And it was like, wow, we will, you know, maybe we could try to sell those. And there was yeah. actually interest from Hollywood in one of these scripts. Right. But Zach wanted a star in it. We wanted to produce it. We And they had no interest in that. Mm. So we said, well, let's see if we could come up with something that we could do. More reasonably. So More reasonably. So what he did, and which was very intelligent, he's, he took... A, uh, and you can say it, he yeah. took a little script that takes place in a few different countries yeah. and the Polynesian island. Mm -hmm. uh, well, let me tell you how we got go the ahead. idea. Because Zach, you know, Zach would tell me the, the craziest stories of his life uh, in real estate, in investments, in producing movies. And uh, we're going to have to backtrack through some of that. Yeah. I, I got a feeling we skipped some stuff, but that's okay. You keep going. Yeah. So he tells me a story which is not a comedy, but I'm absolutely fascinated by. He tells me that he's invited to a suite at the Sherry Netherland Hotel, which is a very fancy hotel in uh, Manhattan by a big Hollywood producer who says to Zach, we've got to come up with some money for a guy named Chief Kapoor. 
Kapu. Clement and Kapu. Ke Clement Kapu. There's a real guy named Chief Clement Kapu, who at the time was the provisional uh, leader of Namibia, trying to get himself free from South Africa. Okay, okay, yes, okay. And he's come to uh, New York, and he's trying to raise money for the independence of his nation. So Zach is invited to this hotel room to meet this man. And Zach is brought to this hotel room, and who's there but Elizabeth Taylor and oh. Warren Beatty and every hustler that Zach knows from Manhattan <laughs> and from the East Coast is there. And Zach's saying, what the hell? Does this poor man have any idea who these people are? And what the <laughs> hell is Elizabeth Taylor doing meeting Chief Kapu, you know? so. To make a long tragedy short, in short order, Chief Kapu goes back home and is assassinated yeah. by the secret police of some uh, agency. Yeah. We can guess who. Right. And so I say, sounds like a comedy <laughs> to me if you backtrack about the hustlers who were going to see this guy and we don't bump them off and apartheid's not really kind of funny but the French are testing nuclear weapons in Polynesia and I know at New Caledonia they're trying to get their independence why don't we reverse engineer this thing and actually make a comedy about something very, very serious. Yeah. And what we're gonna make a comedy about is about how all these hustling white people <laughs> touch Chief Zabu just by a conversation or a move, a, a, a twist, a turn, and through their meeting this guy, all their dreams come true. But that guy gets fucked <laughs> and doesn't even know what happened. And they're all thinking, oh, we're wonderful and what a nice guy we've just met. Chief Kapu, blah, 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 blah. It's, that's really, that scene at the end of, of, of Chief Zabu, your yeah. film, you know, the scene yeah. where, where he's yeah. there with all the people in Hollywood. Right. Now that scene resonates. Yeah. Well, also the scene at the beginning literally comes from the verbiage of that meeting. The guy told me, the guy that invited me to the uh, Sherry Nedlin, uh, he got up in front of all of us, but looked at me and he said, the name of the game today is changed. There's no more mergers and acquisitions. The name of the game today is countries. And we got a country. And so we took this... And again, resonates with the whole sort of today. Again, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I mean, you, I mean you, absolutely. You guys see the same sort of totally. But when you talk about resonates, I come out of a business background, believe it or not, and I talk to people today, and I hear the same words as in Chief Zabu. What's the deal? What's the percentage? What do I get? How much is for you? What's the deal? You know, this is going to be it for us, yeah. this deal. With no concern Same. about actually 
what the heart of the deal yeah, is. Yeah. It's just what the points are. What's in terms the, of what I'm what's get the breakdown? And when do we get the money? Hey, there's, a, there's that wonderful scene. There are a few scenes in, 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 in your film, Chief Zabu, when they're talking about that, when they, when they start dividing these percentages. <laughs> you, you, you know this is what I'm talking about. And it's just absolutely hysterical. Uh, it's almost like a routine. It's like, it's like who's on first? Well, we decided to take this very serious subject, and forgive me if I use a term that... And we decided to do an Abbott and Costello or a more like, like, let's have our sense of humor, but old school humor, but not about a silly subject, about a serious subject and let the people be real. Yeah. And, oh. and, you know, we don't know what's in the heart and soul of this guy who showed up in a business suit from Africa and showed up for this meeting. We took him from Polynesia, but we sure know about the guys who are trying to be the parasites to get a piece of this deal. But instead of doing this serious message movie, let's just now have some fun. Yeah. Well, the, the, the humor is the reality. That's yeah. what it is. And where I go, we're, we're not everywhere, but most places, Somebody always wants to know what's the deal. Yeah. Well, if I may, what Who Zach, gets what? I mean, where Zach's brilliance <laughs> comes in as a director, as a visionary. So we're going to do this scene where the hustler is pitching the businessmen. And in that scene is the great Alan Garfield, one of the greatest character actors, actors in American film history. Pe pe people, people listening, particularly this one. Yeah, look up his story, picture. They, they, will, they will specifically remember Alan from that magnificent scene that he had with Gene Hackman in the conversation. Absolutely. It's a, whole, it's a whole big old long sequence. Just yeah. great. Uh, but, but, and, conversation. And Beverly Hills. Beverly, well, yeah, you can go on and go on yeah. and go on. Uh, but he it, must have made 120 movies, this guy. There's something about that guy in the conversation and the guy that he's playing, yeah. and mm. Chief Zabu, mm. there's a through line between those well, guys because he's because he's he, you know he's because he's he's trying to figure this thing out. He's trying yeah. to discombobulate and, this and, thing, and he's honest. He's yeah. just saying it as he feels. Absolutely really honest. Great. But yeah. in that scene where this great actor Alan Arbus is pitching these businessmen, one of whom is Alan Garfield, Zach said, "Well, I don't want to bring actors in." Let's bring in real businessmen to hear the pitch, real. not tell them what the pitch is, real. not give them a script, and then tell them when the man's done with his presentation, ask questions. Ask real questions about this deal. So you want, all, you want all neorealism on them. You want all, you want oh, all Italian neorealism on them. Absolutely. Absolutely real. And these guys sat down and they listened. Yeah. They listened to this guy speak and then they started asking questions. Well, what's the situation here? What's the situation here? The poor guy that was doing it was terrific, <laughs> Alan Arbus. Yeah. But yeah. he didn't know the answers to those questions. Oh, he knew the he knew the lines. Right. And he knew how to be he knew how to be charming. Yes. But he didn't know anything about business. And again, people will know Alan. Look up Alan Arbus, everybody, and yeah. you'll see him. He's an, and he's another one of those. Yo, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he's another and one of those. And so Mash, uh, yeah, all kinds he's of a good enough actor not to show that he's annoyed that we've put yeah, yeah. ringers in there. And he's a good enough actor to know the only way I can get out of this is kind of charm my way out of this. <laughs> and in doing that, he plays one of the great hustlers because he doesn't seem like a guy twirling a mustache. No. He seems like a guy on the spot. Yeah. 
having to come up with answers. It was great. He has this one long pause. Because you're telling about what was going on. <laughs> it really it, it reveals, because he has this uh, long pause, and it, it, it's a mark of a really yeah, good actor, by yeah, the way. Yeah. And people were, he played the, um, he played the, sci, the psychologist or psychiatrist In or match. whatever on MASH. Right. Yeah. Uh, the unit psychologist. Yeah, psychiatrist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really wonderful scene. Yeah, Very yeah, you know, yeah. funny and dramatic. Because yeah. uh, it, it was after the, the priest had left the show. And anyway, that's who Alan Arbus is, so you guys will remember him. And he has this one pause when a guy asks a question. It's a very, very straight cut, and he just sort of, and he does this thing. <laughs> and I'm like, that's I, a mark of a wonderful actor. Yeah. I like that guy, is yeah. what he said. Yeah, like and he's guy. talking about me, I want you to know, <laughs> in the movie. That's so sweet. That's so sweet. Yeah. So that's how the, the, the idea, the script got spawned. Yeah. And so we, we wrote this script and uh, uh, decided, uh, let's not send this thing out to Hollywood and get all beat up. Let's do it ourselves. Now, uh, I don't know if you recall, Zach, but you had just made some deal, some real estate deal where you got a check. And mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken with you, you probably owed that money to a lot of people when that check came in. You hear what but, he's saying about me. I should have been a doctor. That's right. A podiatrist. You were, a podiatrist. I, we, we caught you at the right mood when that check came in. And in those days, there was a thing called a check. And you took that piece of paper and you went to a place and deposited that check. Yeah. And before everybody got all the pieces of that check, <laughs> We had convinced ourselves we were going to take that check and make a movie out of it. That's right. And so that's how we decided to make this movie for the amount of the check. Now, what we, since we had never, we had been around the business, but we had never directed a movie. No. So we were unaware that when you make your first movie, yes. low budget and you have 15 days to shoot it, you're not supposed to have 40 speaking roles and 23 <laughs> locations and supposedly take place in four cities and two continents. We thought that was normal to make your first movie. Just a regular day. <laughs> <laughs> but you had the wherewithal to pull it off. Oh, we did we didn't pull know it off, but, but we, we had parameters. Yeah, yeah. Parameters were great, yeah. and the parameters were there was a great deal if you could make the picture for under two hundred thousand yeah. dollars, that was that was the parameter of of a low low budget film. Now we could make it for less than two hundred thousand because we didn't have any more than that. Right, right. So that was our parameter. Yeah. And if you and were under two hundred thousand, you could use SAG actors mm -hmm. because there was a certain ultra low budget. The yes. formula they came right. in, if everybody got paid the same, and so we didn't have to hide who we had as actors. Oh, no. We could go out and get really good actors. Thus Alan Garfield. And, and Thus yeah. Alan Garfield. He loved the material. He loved the material, said he wanted to do it, understood what was going on, and quite oh. frankly, here's a guy who, uh, for his 110 movies he made, he never got to play the lead in the movie, the yes. guy that the movie revolved around, so he was excited about it. And then he said to us, uh, you know, I could uh, bring all my friends from the actor's studio to, to fill up all the parts, including 
parts where there was one line of dialogue mm. or a throwaway line. So the actress who plays uh, the Elizabeth Taylor type at the end, uh, Mariana. Mariana Hill, yeah. great, great actress who people may know from Godfather 2, Frito's wife. Uh, she was the co-star of a great uh, classic cult movie called Medium Cool. Oh, Haskell yeah. Westport. Haskell Westport. Yeah, Westport. absolutely. Yeah. Um, she came along. Uh, the, you know, she said, just tell me where to get off the train. I'll be there. Manu Tupu was a teacher. Yeah, who played and, Chief. Who ch plays Chief Zebu, good friend of Alan's from the actor's studio. So uh, he came along and a, a number of people. Alan was very helpful. Yeah. Getting, you know, and they really, really reacted to the material. That's mm -hmm. the bottom yeah. line. Yeah. Well, all right. So uh, bringing us back around to the sort of uh, social satire, you mm -hmm. know, um, which is which is you know where the film falls into the realm of social satire. Mm -hmm. It's pointed but funny first. Always mm -hmm. funny, always, always funny, funny. Right. sexy. Uh, 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 you know, uh, all of that. Talk a little bit about that. That that idea of here's a thing in the world mm -hmm. that sort of reflects the way the world works. Mm -hmm. well, but we don't want to we don't want to sit right on top of it. Yeah. Uh, talk a little bit about working your way to that. Well, if I may yeah. say that in every relationship I've had, which has gone through the movies and comedy and theater and so forth, I always kind of look like I'm standing back. And the funniest things I've ever heard or seen were in my business dealings. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about business, I say, man, this is, this is mind-boggling. It's so funny because the people aren't aware of what they're doing. They're just saying things like, what's the deal? How much am I getting? How much are you getting? So we took that premise of real life and went with it. And I don't know, I don't want to give away the movie. Give it away. But it's socio-political. <laughs> it's, 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 it's been 30 years. It's been 30 yeah, years. Yeah. Yeah. You see where Alan Garfield goes, whose name, of course, is Ben Sidney. Right. Yeah, and yeah. Ben Sidney goes to a place that all we wanted to do when we finished that picture was to do the sequel. <laughs> and why did we want to do the sequel? Because we wanted Ben Sidney to become the president of the United States. <laughs> and he and has. That, that ain't no bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay? And, and that's where is. we were going. And that's why if you look at that picture today and you see that I tell Ben Sidney, Alan Garfield, that someday that's going to say the Ben Sidney Pavilion. Little did we know. Yeah. He, even and, look, he even looks a little like Donald. Well, I, I'm <laughs> telling you. That'd be like 30 years ago. And you know yeah. that this man ends up loved, yeah, yeah. worshipped, yeah. and becomes an elected congressman. You know, and if people, so, you know, again, we people are listening to this, they don't even know what the plot is, but it's about a, a New York real estate oh, yeah. developer ah, who's, yeah. who, yes. who's needful, and disrespected, but all he wants to have is political influence and respect. He wants people to hear his opinions. They, he <laughs> wants people to hear, there goes Ben Sidney. Most of all, people to like him. Yeah. And he wants to, to be liked. Yeah, he wants to be liked. Loved, I you guess. Know, and so taking the, the, the politics of all of it, um, and the satire, it came natural. I mean, I'm a guy who, as much as Zach has the greatest business head, 
I can't add four plus three and come, <laughs> you know, it's not even going to be close, you know. Uh, yeah, so um, I would be fascinated by these stories he would tell of business and of deal making. But unlike a normal person, if I may, sure. Zach would tell the most intense business stories like they were a comedy routine. So, which, which is that sort of, like you said, that's sort of standing back. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's and maybe an actor's uh, well, perspective. Exactly, because he would you be know, talking about a, the human behavior. Actors do that. The human condition and and what makes somebody behave like that. And the greatest thing about all this behavior for me is it was absolutely unconscious from the people that were acting, yeah, and yeah. living yeah. and doing it. They're dead serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not a performance for them. Well, remind me, okay, eighty six. Uh, the mayor is uh, who's the mayor in in, in New oh, York? Boy, are, we, are we still Lindsay? Uh, I believe wasn't I it? I don't know if it's was it Ed? Ed? Was it Ed? Was it no, not I Ed don't think anymore. it was Ed. Con- Ed was gone. No, Ed Koch didn't come in yet. No? In eighty six, Ed had been in Oh, oh in eighty six. In eighty six. I can because I, I can't tell you. You can. You I'm, can. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to remember who the mayor was and who the mayor of New York was in '86. At that time, but that's all. That's all pre. That's it's way before. Um, um, uh, Giuliani, and Giuliani, and all of that business, right? That's all yeah. '90s stuff, yes. right? You know, yes. yeah. And it's pre-gentrification of, yeah. you know, uh, you know, 42nd Street and and, and, uh, and all of that. It's it's this pre-gentrification of New York. Absolutely. Yeah. We're talking about old school taxi driver New York. That's oh, right. absolutely. Uh, the French Connection. French you Connection. Wanna, uh, yeah, okay. You want to see what well, New York looked like in, then. in, in, in '86? Yeah. Okay, yeah, because yeah. that's because you know that's a thing. You know, obviously, the Twin Towers are still there, and and and, yes. and, and, and that Trump Pavilion that looks like. It's just this big square brick gray it hospital. Looked, it looked like it looked like the Reichstag. And, and, <laughs> and, and, uh, one of the things I like about those actors, you too, is you guys have faces. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like to call them Ilya Kazan faces. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you know what I mean. Uh-huh. Ilya used to cast movies with people who look like people that lived in my neighborhood. Right, look like people who lived across the street. Right, um, um, or, you know. So, 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 and, and and that's what's going on in this movie. There are people. So that sometimes you guys didn't even have to say anything. Uh, you would be riding in that car in that Mercedes <laughs> with, with him with the top down, and you'd be talking back and forth. And sometimes it would stop. And your face is, and you're doing something with your eyes, and he's sitting over there, and he's doing something with his lips. And it's just hysterical. At least I'm the kind of guy that notices stuff yeah, like that. And a lot of time, that other Alan, he would put his finger on his chin <laughs> like this. And he, and he like, it's, it's just a face thing, but though, you don't see that a lot. No. Well, part of it is Anymore. we had... We had freedom. I was just going to say, I mean, I, I was trying to think of the, the, the modifying. There was, there was complete freedom the, the, to do any movie we wanted the, to make. The ultimate movie that exists today is based on what Neil just said. Our freedom. There's always somebody in everything I've ever yeah. done who has given you a parameter. Mm. We've got 12 minutes to do this, yeah. and we got to do that, and we got to go here. It wasn't the case, and the payoff, which we'll get to, mm. is the real piece de resistance of the freedom. Mm. Right, and, and, and I'll give had. you an example in the movie, probably, you know, the sort of 
lot of people come see this movie, they crawl out and won't make eye contact. They don't like it. But people who do like the movie, the thing that's perhaps most memorable is this driving scene, which is about four or five minutes of two guys in an open convertible having a conversation about life, but also about their deal, about their hopes, their dreams. And it goes through every emotion you can imagine. The scene is one take, and it's uncut. Yeah. There is no cut, there's no angle, there's no coverage, there's, it's, now, how that was shot will suggest how wonderful these actors were at the top of their game, how low budget we were, and how when you have complete freedom, sometimes wonderful things happen, and sometimes it just doesn't happen. And if it doesn't happen, you don't use it. <laughs> That's the key to so deal. These guys are in this car, which happened to be Zach's car. It's not like we got somebody's car. And how are we going to shoot a scene of these two guys in a convertible going up a highway, a highway f that we don't have any permit to shoot on in, in New York State? So Permits what we did was you know that. we got a plank of wood <laughs> which was tied to the hood of the car, and then the camera was bolted to this plank of wood, and a microphone was laid on top of a briefcase in this car. The DP pressed a button. I mean, there was no tow car. There's no latch that's hooked. It's, and suddenly, two guys are going up a highway with a camera running, with a microphone turned on, there's no director, there's no DP, there's no crew, and we only have one reel of film that's five minutes long. So Zach said to Alan, you can't do any of this uh, actor studio stuff where you go back over your, you, we're moving forward, take your cues from me, you know who you are, I know who I am, don't worry about the script here, we know, and I'm gonna throw some things at you. You just go with it when I throw. And off they went up that highway. I'm sitting in the back of a station wagon with the DP who has binoculars <laughs> only to make sure that the counter on the camera is still moving because these guys are hitting potholes and driving up, driving up this highway. And so the freedom is suddenly two actors are acting the pivotal part in the movie, the most important scene in the movie, and there's no crew. Yeah. There's no direct. I mean, I suppose now people could do that with a drone, but uh. there's. But still, they'd have an earpiece saying, "Make sure you say that, and don't forget this, and make a. You know, you're in. There was absolutely no control over the actors. And I think the fact that you guys were just out there on that day driving, driving the car yourselves, um, made that scene, that's that added thing to it. And it certainly was added. But the, the thing that really did it for me, and I think for him too, is that concentration. Mm -hmm. When we were driving, mm -hmm. there was no camera anymore. Right. It was just the two of us there. I had my mission, and I was going to get him. Yeah. And he was going to fantasize and do right. his thing. Mm. And we really did it. We weren't thinking about and it. And at the same time, he's and driving the car. He's driving people the car. People are passing. People are pulling in front of oh, him. Yeah. I mean, it's like yeah. he's, he and actually has to physically drive the car. We're adhering to the story. You yeah. know, I yeah. mean, it was, it, it's, it, look, I've done over 30 movies, and I've, produced, financed a lot of movies. 
I've never had a more creative experience in my life. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were just in a position where we could do what we felt was right, and it worked out for us. Mm -hmm. But it's a long story. It's a 30-year tri trip. <laughs> yeah, I now mean, that's, we, that's we shot, we shot the picture in 1986. We finished the picture... In 2016. <laughs> 2016. 31 years. Very funny. 30 years. So, so folks listening to the podcast, they will have gone, they will have looked up the movie, they right. will have seen the IMDb, and they will have... They, they were like, how come I never saw this movie? Right. No, you didn't. You have not... Yeah, I can, actually, I, can, I know some of them are like, oh, I remember that movie. No, you don't. <laughs> you actually, I, well, you, IMDb now says... Uh, the right, the right thing. Uh -huh. They say it was, it was finished. It was made in 2016 because that's when we finished yeah. it. It's all right. So you, you make this movie, right? Yeah. You did, did you get it all the way into the can? Was 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 it a finished movie in 1980? Whatever. Well, in 1986, we, we finished it when we ran out of money and we had the movie no, finished. We, fin we, fi we finished our cut. We finished, we finished our cut. cut. Okay. And we saw it. We're gonna go out now, and now because there's no more bread, we gotta get some money. We gotta get somebody to yeah. get behind us. And when we get that money, and we get that commitment, and somebody feels a distributor yeah. the way we feel about it, then bingo, we're gonna clean it up. What bothers us? Right. So I won't go into a great. A story about the various meetings we had and when we showed the picture initially and and we're sitting there watching the people and they all get up and they begin to walk out and nobody's looking at us <laughs> and, and it was a much you have to understand the picture was longer longer, longer there was longer, a lot of stuff in there longer, that longer. you know but it was still off the wall yeah. you understand yeah. that you're yeah. talking about who the hell they say who wants to see uh, uh, these two guys yeah. who are Thing. You know, but the point is that people came along and they said, we like this film. And one, one group came along and they said, we understand and we really like this picture. And I said, and Neil said, what we need is some money to do the finishing touches to the thing. Mm -hmm. And he, they said, absolutely no problem. Whatever we want to do, we can do now. We're committed, we're in, and the guy says, look, we want to change the name of the picture. Ah. That's just, that's just one <laughs> <Nice>. thing. <laughs> so I'm telling you that we're looking at each other and we're so exhausted. Yeah. It's now two years later. Yeah. It's 1988. Okay. Right. And the guy says, this is what we got and we're going to do this and we're going to have a big opening and you're going to be here and there and everywhere. Finally, we looked at each other exhausted. Yeah. And meanwhile, he's now getting writing work and he's swinging and I'm getting all kinds of acting work and I'm getting all kinds of bread. And I say, look, Neil, I think we've had, I think we've had enough. <laughs> Let's just do it with these guys. So they said, you have to do that. You have to do this. Okay. Change the name. Okay. Mm. Now we're going to open in two weeks. And we're excited because people are now starting to get excited. Mm -hmm. And what happened is a very unusual thing. The distribution company went into bankruptcy. Wow. <laughs> and we were completely wiped out. That was one of those. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. And it's the greatest thing that ever happened to us. Because we just said, 
let's go to work elsewhere. And we <laughs> left the thing alone and we walked. Now, cut to essentially 30 years later, it's actually maybe 28 But well, we had had some conversations. Yeah, conversations. We should look at that we picture look at some point. But also in those days, you have to understand, in order to look at a movie, in order oh, to yeah. go sit with a with a with, with an editor, with a moviola or a... Yeah, it's a major, know, major Suddenly thing. it's $200 an hour, yeah. but and we, we don't have this. We did yeah. discuss it along yeah. the way. And then, about two years ago, I guess... Mm -hmm. yeah. We have a, uh, it was a, a, a dinner really, mm -hmm. not a lunch, but a dinner, and we're laughing and we're sitting, and all of a sudden it came up in the conversation. Donald Trump had just committed mm. to run yeah. for the presidency of the United States. And remember the dream that we yeah. had for the sequel, yeah. is that Ben Sidney becomes the president of the United States, and we looked at each other and we said, we got to get that picture and go to work. Yeah. Let's take a look at the movie. Yeah. And, 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 and see if, in fact, uh, is it, those, is, those, those residents are is right. Is it really what we think it is? Yeah. And we both agreed we didn't care how much time the picture ran as long as we liked it. Mm. And we were ready to do a 42-minute picture and have an hour television show. Yeah. We had no idea what we were going to like or not like. Yeah, we, we just said, you know, let's just cut out everything we don't like. Let's go. And whatever is left of it, we'll just throw it on YouTube or something, have some and fun have with it. Time. So now the issue became, how do you physically look at it? Where, where, where was the actual no. Oh, ah. All we had in my bookshelf, Zach probably had one buried in his bookshelf, was a fifth-generation VHS tape oh. of the long cut of this thing, the rough cut. So I... And for, you know, I can't tell you how many times I almost threw that thing in the garbage can because it was, you have such hopes and dreams when you make an independent film and then those hopes and dreams are dead. And then 15 years later, you're looking at it and you're saying, you know, it's not pride, it's pain when I think about that. <laughs> what we went through and how the dream didn't happen. And so we say, okay, let's, but now we don't have a, VCR. We don't have no, a way to. Technologies actually exactly. came and went. I, I just want to interject only one thing about our experience mm -hmm. making the movie. I think it's true for both of us. It's it's was making it was the single most creative and exciting time I've had. And wasn't it for yeah, you too? Yeah. So that, that that control thing that you did. Well, you were talking it wasn't about. felt. Didn't feel like control. It just felt like art. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, did it work? Was it real? Did you believe it? Mm -hmm. And that's how it went. I mean, there's uh, just the the ability. You know, to make a very short story even shorter, we cast this woman to play Monica, the the yes, the wife wonderful. of the the millionaire who they're going to try to get the money from. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that uh, she's a wonderful comic actress who was Miss California and the runner-up in the Miss America contest, which we didn't know. She is some agents, and we met her at night. So she shows up on the set, and the set is a mansion in upstate New York and she walks into the living room and there's a harp and she says 
you know, did you put that there for me? <laughs> and we said, no. She said, oh, that was my talent in the Miss America contest, <laughs> playing the harp. And so Zach and I look at each other and we say, Okay, let's have a scene of her playing a harp. So I, I said to him, I thought you wrote that for her to do the part. So this is the kind of freedom we had making, a, you know, uh, in the morning, there was no harp scene. No. In the afternoon, you're shooting a scene with this person legitimately playing the harp. Happenstance meets the verisimilitude. Exactly. years later, she's great at the harp. She is a She's just a fantastic person. So, you know, so we've got this VHS tape, and we get somebody to make a digital transfer of it. And Zach and I each now have a DVD of it. Okay. Because we don't know anything about streaming, right? We, we each have a DVD. And independently, we say, let's not watch this together. You watch it at your place. I'll watch it at my place. And let's talk in a couple of days. You don't influence each other. No, you, you get no. your You get your not good this, gut yeah. reaction. It. You want to get it right down. Yeah, and I'm going to watch it. Not with my I'm just going to watch it, like, with blinders on, very yeah. analytical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was delighted... <coughs> how much I liked it if I had the freedom to cut a whole bunch of stuff out. That if you had cut a whole bunch of stuff out, this thing would still cut together, but it would move. Because the picture, and I called Zach, I said, what did, what did you think? And he said, you know, the picture keeps stopping, but if we just cut those places where it stops. And what, what was interesting and what made it uh, kind of an intellectual puzzle for us, we had no outtakes. All we could do is take the existing movie... And make it smaller. And make it smaller, move things around, but the sound was planted with the picture. Okay. So yeah. we couldn't... In you could move things around, you could cut, you couldn't, couldn't rethink. That, that made the movie great, in my opinion. That's what did it. Because we had to take this piece and... and go. You didn't have 17 other choices to filter, to make your mind go left and right. It was straight down. How do we pull it together? And man... Yeah. So Zach finds this person via somebody who Julie. cuts, uh, Wonderful. Uh, 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 you know, reels for actors. And that person was unavailable. And she, she's and the an next actor person, also. And she's then an we actor. find this actor who, in the old days, you know, it would cost $200 an hour and you'd be with a yeah. movie. Now, you're with somebody with a laptop yeah. in North Hollywood. Laptop. And if and they've got the patience to sit with you, you can recut a movie. But we go over and we tell our story to this guy at Photochem. And he says, well... Even though you are an aggregate 141 years old, <laughs> you are first-time filmmakers of a low-budget independent film. This is all literally true. All literally and true. And all literally I will is, give as you, he says it. Yeah, he says, <laughs> I will give you the student rate uh -huh. to make a transfer from this negative okay. to, to a and digital quality piece of material, whatever it's called, so that uh -huh. you can show this thing. He said, but... You have to understand something. I'm giving you a certain price here. This is the student price. 
this can hasn't been opened in 30 years. <laughs> We're probably going to find that a family of mice were living in here. We're going to find all kinds of maggots that ate because we open these things always. Yeah. And they're eaten through. And there may be a whole portion of your film that's no longer usable. It's moist. It's wet. And then it becomes a very expensive proposition. Yeah. Well, he opens this can, and there was a guy named Norman Lee, who was our uh, line producer and producer of the thing, and this guy wrapped this thing in silk <laughs> tight. The guy, he said, I've never seen anything like this. He said, I don't even have to clean it. And and that's how we were able to uh, get a print of this. Norman, if, if Norman was in the union, baby, you earned that union card. <laughs> that's right. Uh, way to go. Way to go, Norman. That's good, right. good look at that. Way to take care of that negative, baby. That's uh, right. That's, uh, that's just awesome, though. There it is. You know, and there's a certain, I don't know, whatever. I, you know, we, sometimes we, we, you know, we, we attribute these things to fate or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know about all of that. But nevertheless, there it is. I've got to tell you. This experience, and this is not even something we've talked about, so you bring stuff out of people, has really been a, a life changer for me. Wow. Because this Chief Zabu thing was like a pain, was like a weight on me. And now whether people like it or don't like it, I like it. Mm. And <laughs> it's not only been a sort of burden that's been released, it's something I've learned so much from the editing. Yeah of this thing because now there's distance. There's no emotion involved with the edit of it. Mm. It's a, a, a kind of third party artifact, you know? It's, the 30 it's, years was tremendously yeah. helpful. We were different, we were two different guys mm. working analytically at yeah. this thing and it did change my life yeah. also. And Co coming back to it. Coming back to it and to understand the time, the gross, and it made me, I'm, I'm not getting uh, um, too much uh, into the stuff you were just talking about, yeah. but I got to tell you that that experience has made this the most appreciated time of my life. Mm -hmm. Because now when I do things, I'm just thinking about the totality. Yeah, you know, and I know the distance between here and the, you know, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the what do they call it? Well, I'm not even talking about the last chapter. I'm talking about the, um, is it the prologue? No. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, 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 you you think you're done with something, but yeah. you're not done. Yeah, no, <laughs> you're no, not so done. Enjoy the moment. Yeah. Is the is the bottom line. Yeah. <laughs> well, like what you said before, all everything everything else notwithstanding, the time itself was one of the most creative times that you had. Absolutely, that had to have informed the intervening. Oh, uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, thirty odd years, yeah, right? Because I mean, you guys have been working doing all kinds of things yeah, in, in, in that thirty years. It's not like you've been thinking about this. Right. For, for, for That's 30 right. years. No, absolutely. And, and, but I must say the thing that remains constant is that we still are first-time directors. <laughs> <laughs> student, you still eligible for that student. And <laughs> this is it, man. This is Toledo. People come to me after screenings and they say, I bet you want to get right back on the set now and shoot another movie. Now nah, you want to wait go, another 30 years. Yeah, that's we'll wait another 30 years. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, well, but, and then, all right, so you, you pull it all together. It looks great, by the way, so color correction, all, all the stuff they did over at Photochem, yes, you made it look good, made it sound well, good. Well, there was a guy named uh, uh, Chris, 
Chris, who actually did our color correction and also gave us a good student deal on it. Yeah, he's yeah, a guy who, uh, you know, uh, does color correction on uh, big studio movies, uh, worked on The Revenant, worked on big movies. Yeah. But he took a shine to us. He, he, you know, we, we wanted to just kind of look at the movie, ask him what we could do. Right. And quite frankly, this guy, Chris, started looking at the movie and said to us, Chris Woods, he said, don't give this movie away. Mm. This is a real movie. <laughs> you know, old enough to say, I know who all these actors yeah, are. Yeah. These are real performances. Yeah. This is a real story. Wow. This is a real... You've Do got you know what here. you have here? Do you know what you have here? Let me be part of this and help you guys uh, fix up the color on this thing. And, 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 and I, I, I know what he meant by when he said this is a real mm -hmm. 35 millimeter film. Yeah. That's noticeable, by the way. Is it? I've been, well, yeah, I mean, you know, this whole digital revolution and whatever, I quit whining about that yeah. I, I, you know, some years ago, but I whined about it for a long time. Because, you know, digital cinema does not look like uh, yeah. uh, film cinema. Um, it's fine. It's where we live now. I'm okay with it. But right. you cannot tell me that a 35 millimeter projected print of anything that uh, was well shot looks remotely the same as for right. 4K, you know, whatever, right. whatever the stuff right. is that's done now. All right, I'm, 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 my, 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 my audience hates it when I do this. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh my God, there he goes. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm quiet. I'm quiet again. But this film, it's a 35 millimeter. It looks fantastic. It looks like film. You know, that sort of soft, beautiful grain, you know, that, that is, so they did a really great job over there bringing it back. Mm -hmm. yeah. A lot of folks then would have simply put it out on DVD Ooh. in a big fancy special edition and, oh. you know, do, but you guys decided to do something very, very, very different. You got it. Walk us through, either one of you, walk us through this thing that you guys have been doing uh, at the comedy clubs and at the, you know, the, the live venues in the screen. Walk us through that. Well, well uh, Zach, uh, if, be, be, before you yeah. should do that but before that happens is me particularly through my years in the business as a producer as a financier i watched the numbers and i saw what happens to independent pictures mm. i made a lot of them and it just the business is what it is and after going through what we both went through mm -hmm. for these 30 years and the joy of it all we started to show the picture, and uh, it's certainly not a picture that I thought the majors are going to jump at because mm. there's a different ball game now. Mm. Make a picture for $180 million, and hopefully it's going to do a billion two, and it's a different ball game. So you take an independent company, and it's a different story again. They, they want to do it day and date in the theaters and on TV. Yeah. So analytically, BLD, BLD I'm saying that, yeah. to you, from my business mm -hmm. background, I said to Neil, let's look at this objectively. And here's what we can do. If we go this way, we can't. Yeah, Get it, it became, in, see it. you know, it's, it's funny, in terms of bringing this movie out, suddenly you're meeting people at festivals, you're meeting people at slam dance, you're mm. seeing some wonderful, wonderful independent films, and people are making great independent films, but nobody gets to see them. Yeah. They go into a theater for a couple of days, <sighs> they go onto Netflix or Amazon or iTunes, and they're up there promoted for about 36 hours, yeah. and then they drop like a pebble in the water. And Zach said, you know, that's just so unappetizing to me, and we essentially have a free movie that we own. We don't have to pay back Uncle Louie or the guy or the credit, you know. We, we, we have this thing. What can we do that's different? And, and, and at some festival we were 
ever had. A, a guy uh, that gave us some pretty good advice, which, uh, you know, I, at, when he said it, it went through one ear and out the other. But he said, you know, this is a comedy. It's very unique. It's very of the time because it's this mm. Trumpian satire. Why don't you try to show this movie at comedy clubs? So uh, we said, great, who's going to book them? And uh, that guy said, well, not me, not anybody we talked. <laughs> so we got home and we talked about it. Well, that's a fun idea. That could be an interesting idea. Who's going to do it? Weeks went by. And I just said, you know what? Let me find some comedy clubs listed. <laughs> You know, like, like literally, literally look in the book and let me just send a couple of cold emails to people. We've got this movie. We happen to have gotten when we did our little one week test run. A great review in the Hollywood Reporter. Yeah, I saw Sherry's. Uh, yeah. yeah, we got a great review in the Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Peter Bogdanovich liked it. The wonderful Bob Rosen from UCLA and KCRW liked it. So we had like some real people who liked it. So we just linked those reviews, sent it out. And everyone we sent it out to said, this sounds like a great idea. No, we nobody said nobody club. said no. That's really interesting. And, and it's pretty wild. And by the way, they didn't say they liked it. They said, <laughs> they, said they loved it. That, that so, is true. I mean, I'm sorry to interject uh, like that. But, uh, that is true. You know, it is true. And, and then the business side of me, and by the way, we've had a couple of absolute real offers to distribute it conventionally yeah. independent mm -hmm. and the analytic overview of this concept mm -hmm. and neil says he's not a businessman but he got it mm -hmm. that what we're gonna do is go we're, go we're going to the original comedy club that That's we in the shot movie. the <laughs> in movie Manhattan. in and we're gonna the, play the one, there when you, when you, when you stand up yeah. new york yeah. and oh. we're gonna play there August seventeenth. August seventeenth in New York City. Yeah. So, so America. and that's 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 not. It's the same place and the same club. They wrote us a letter. We just put a letter out to them. I didn't know if they were still in business. They wrote back said, not only we are we in business, we opened in nineteen eighty six. You made so now we understand we got why it. they let us come in because nobody should. You know, it was a yeah. new club. Yeah. They said, "Sure, come shoot in here." So they're going to do a whole nineteen eighty six night there in Manhattan uh, next month in August. Yeah. Uh, then we're going to play in Washington D.C. Yeah. in November. That, that, that's, that's almost surreal. I yeah. mean, it, it is surreal. But the point is, and and I I hesitate, but I will go into the business side for a moment. Yes, ma'am. When we do these clubs like we did two in L.A. Yeah. to get our feet wet, and man, the reaction was so fantastic. It was, it yeah. was mind-boggling. It must be something like dinner theater. That's right. That's right. You know, it, it really well, is. Well, what it is, because we get up, and it's part of a live show. The picture's a short movie. It's 73 minutes. 75. 75. So I get up and do a funny little, very short little history of the movie that's no more than seven or eight minutes just because what we found when we would show the movie is no matter how, what size audience you would have, usually it was somebody who heard of the movie, mm -hmm. brought their friends... But their friends knew nothing about the movie, and they would sit there saying, 
is this an old movie? It's like, what the hell is they, going they on? They would have no idea what the, at festivals we would so, play. So and it's people imperative would say, that he... You know, people would say, oh, what is the grain on the screen? What is that stuff? Or they'd are those say, the Twin Towers? Right. Yeah. What the hell is going on? Who are these people, you know? And so it's imperative that we yeah. say this movie's 30 years old. It's never been shown. It was in a closet. It came. Right. It's just to position the movie. Right. Then when the movie's over, okay. instead of running the credits, the credits kind of fade out. Zach jumps on stage, starts doing stand-up comedy that's linked to the movie. Then I get on stage, and it becomes kind of a it's road an event. show. It's, it's an, an event. event. And it's a, it's a two-hour show, and it's really... Yeah. Uh, we call it uh, a special one-of-a-kind yeah. uh, event. It, it's a neat thing. It, it, it is. But let me tell you the business side of it, you know, which, which I hesitate to do because we're talking about the fun, mm -hmm. the creative. Well, no, but I like, I, but I, I analytically, like to, to me, it, the business is not the business. The business happens to be conjoined with something else how many people are going to see it, mm. how many people are going to love it. Mm. That's what we want, and it happens to be business. Yeah. So what was decided? That when we go from comedy club to comedy club, maybe an art theater in a particular place, we're definitely going to do some colleges. Mm. But what we want to do is to eventually go to most every major part of the geography of the United States. Mm. And we want to cover that small area, that piece of uh, the USA, we want to do it with social, what do you call it? Social, social media. Social, social media. media. Critics to come yeah. and bloggers. And, and some people. conventional PR yeah. to get people there and grow the name, mm -hmm. grow the story, grow this event. And then when we've done that, then we can enter into what's probably the biggest area of cash flow in the business. And that is... VOD yeah. and streaming. Streaming, yeah. So now when they show 25 pictures that you can choose which one to push the button on, all of a sudden a guy is going to say to his girl, by the way, I, I heard it at yeah, Chief that. Zabu. I heard that Zabu. Uh, or the girl will say to her. Or the girl, of course, will say, oh, the guy will say to the guy. <laughs> I mean, what do you say it's today? The, it's, it's, right. it's, it's, the late 20, it's the late 21st century. That's right. And the point is... Push the Zabu button. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you know. That's you, it. You, create you heard about it. And, and, and so that's what we intend to do. But the world that we're in doing it is absolutely joyful. Yeah. For Neil, for yeah. me. And by the way, here's a real ironic story. A guy came to see one of the early screenings yeah. that we had. And the guy happens to be a very brilliant director and a, and, a, and a great filmmaker. And all of a sudden, he says, what am I looking at? <laughs> he grabs a hold of this guy, and now this guy is not doing one feature, but he's doing two features, and one started the ball going with the guy yes, that yeah. saw Chief Zabu. We're talking about now. We're talking yeah. about no, now. Okay, yeah. now, now that's yeah, what no, the guy saw the picture, that? and he said, I got a deal to uh, write and uh, direct a picture at one of the studios. Well, uh, Lionsgate, you well, can okay, say. Well, fine, but, uh, <laughs> and he said, I want you to write it with me. And I said, 
Okay, I'm in. Let's do it. And we that's Chief Zabu today. Yeah. At work. Yeah. At work for you now. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, we meet a lot of young filmmakers. Never give up yeah. your you dreams. Because uh, that's, what, that's what we're doing. They're trying to figure out their way into the business. They're 28 years old. They're 30 years old. They've already, they're burnt out. They quit. <laughs> they can't take it anymore. And I explained to them, we made our first movie when I was 35 and Zach was 46. Yeah. So, you know, give it a little time before you get burnt out. I don't, think, I don't think I looked 46. <laughs> you kids might want to relax a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then people say, you know, they, you know we, we can't believe you're still enthusiastic. No, well, they tell you, you still, that. You know, they tell me I can't believe you're still alive. <laughs> You look the same, by the way. Which, oh, which is weird. Yeah. I mean, you just said you, you look forty-six. <laughs> but what what is weird? And I, I run across this a lot. But you know, you 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 know people from movies and television from your youth, <laughs> yeah. right? You see them on television sure, and sure, all the things sure. you see them in. Yeah. Uh, and then you meet them, you know, 20, 25, 30 years later, whatever it is, right. and they're and they're older versions of that guy. Yes. You look the same. Well, unless I take my teeth out. You know, which is really kind of weird, actually. You know, it's like, wow, that's a real, you know, that Dick Clark, it's that Dick Clark. Dick Clark, yeah. You know, it, it, it was like. What happened to Dick? Uh, uh, Dick, <laughs> you see what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> well, we, guys, I can't thank you enough for coming, for coming out to the podcast. It's been so uh, much fun uh, for us. I can't thank you enough. The folks, because they, what they a, love, what a love joyful. Cinema history. They love the business. They love people who've been around and and, uh, and who've done things. But what a job you've done by extricating all this yeah. stuff out of us, which we're joyful to do. And I'm not kidding. This is you know. I wish I was 22 years old like Basquiat was yeah. and be able to sit and listen to this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, there is something, and, and it's funny because I really only started to recently get my mind around this because for, wow. for for years and years and years I used to pretend like I was much younger than I actually am. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be 56 next week. Uh, uh, and, and in my mind, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever. But I started to realize that, you know what, the 56 years, that's not yeah. so bad. I, yeah, I've done some interesting things. And, you know, right. I've, I've been some, and occasionally... It's the beginning. It's, you talk to people. That's what it people, is. And they actually are interested. Hey, like, man, you, you know, know, 55 to me is a kid. I do, I, so thank you. understand that. Thank you. Because I take that 55 and I give you 77. <laughs> Now, what do you want to do about that? If I'm holding it together the way you guys are, the way you are in 77, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, be, I'll be the happiest guy in the world. Uh, the film is uh, uh, Chief Zabu. Yes. Uh, it's really neat. In order to see it, you have to sort of look around, see if it's going to be coming to a comedy club at the moment, someplace near you. Yeah. Is it any place else on the planet? Can people go see? The, I know you can see the trailer. You sent me the trailer. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, 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 no. The answer, the answer is gotta, no, gotta, and there's a reason and if for it. if you're in a town and you've got a venue and you want us to come there, let us know. And that's uh, what we're That's how about. we'll show up. Yes, that's, that's right. About. Yeah. Uh, get it out like that. And got a film, we'll travel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Outstanding. All right. Uh, thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Really, it's truly, been Tim. It's been great.